Good evening, What's everybody. Up, Welcome back. Welcome back to Full Circle. We are so excited to be here again. I was just bopping up and down, y'all. I got a lot of energy right now. <laughs> I thought I was tired, but I got my second win, so we in for it tonight. Yes, it's about to be good. I'm excited. We got some good, good, good information for you all tonight. I am Christian Mayfield. And, and as always, I am Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Mayfield, my brother. Um, and we are here to get into our fifth session of Full Circle. Um, if this is your first time watching, we welcome you in. If you are a returning viewer, thank you so much for coming back. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, and we have some announcements. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, be sure to do that tonight. Go ahead, if you're watching on YouTube now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so that you always know when we're going live. Check out our Facebook page. We do have a Mount Mariah Christian Center page and a Full Circle MMCC page. We also have a website and it is www.fullcirclemmcc.com. Yes. So if you check that out, all of our previous sessions are there on the website. Um, information about who we are, who our ministry is, our leaders, um, how you can keep in contact with us, prayer requests, things like that, all on our website. So that again, that is fullcirclemmcc.com. And without further ado, we are going to pray and get right into it tonight. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. We praise you for this day. Um, we thank you for another opportunity to get into your word, God, to share your word with um, with everyone who's tuning in, God. I, I just pray that you would anoint our lips, God, so that we would speak those things that you would have us to say, God, that everything that we say, that we do tonight will be pleasing in your sight, God. And not only that, Lord, but that we would be able to reach someone that, that something that will be said would touch the heart of one of your children, God. And that if someone is not saved and they hear this broadcast, Lord, that they would ask what they must do to be saved. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start with a brief recap of what we went over in our last session. Uh, we did, so we, we're in a series right now. We are in our Bend But Don't Break series, and um, our last one was Rooted and Grounded. And so we talked about how when the storms of life are raging and it seems like, you know, it's a hopeless situation, what can I do practically to make sure that I can stand and that the enemy doesn't sweep me away with the storm? And so the first thing um, that we talked about was don't be a lone palm. And if you haven't watched it, you're probably like, lone palm, what does that mean? But we used uh, the palm tree in an analogy and we compared how the, the palm tree withstands the hurricane to how we should withstand against the enemy. And so the first point was don't be a lone palm. And we looked at Proverbs 27 and verse 17. And it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. And so basically what we were saying then is just, it's better for us to do this thing called life with other people surrounding us, right? With like-minded individuals who are gonna help push us into purpose. And then the next point was befriend palms that are different from you. And so the palm tree, it thrives when it has other plants that are different from it, around it, surrounding it, building it up. And so the same thing is true for us. God has designed each and every one of us uniquely, but we all need each other to be successful in life and to walk in our purpose. And so we looked at 1 Corinthians 12, verses four through six. And we said, now, these are now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. 
and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So even though, you know, we all have different gifts, we all have different talents, we have different personalities, we're all working together for the same purpose and we're united under Christ. And that third point that we uh, <clears throat> that we highlighted was remove hazardous palms for your life. Um, we talked a little bit how um, uh, in the natural realm, how some of these palm trees, like if there are trees there that aren't indigenous to the area or just not supposed to be there, sometimes they can draw and pull life away from the actual palm trees that were meant there to be planted. We made some other analogies about, you know, invasive species and things like that. But um, we also look back to refer to Second Corinthians uh, chapter six, verses 14 to 16 there. And we said, <clears throat> Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them, inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness hear or have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God. And they said, and they shall be my people. So right there, we just talked about um, applying it to our lives. Like, how would you apply it to your life? That was, we talked about relationships and how, you know, just letting go of bad relationships or just relationships that don't um, contribute anything to your life, that don't contribute to your walk with Christ. We, we just hit on that real fast. And the fourth and final point that we made in that last lesson was, don't mistake wear and tear for defeat. And we referenced Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 29 to 31 it says he gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might he increases power even youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly but those who wait on the lord or expect and look and hope for him will gain new strength and renew their power they will lift up their wings and rise up close to god like eagles rising towards the sun they will run and not become weary they will walk and not grow tired Amen. so just because you're getting blown around you know like the palm tree gets it gets blown one way, it gets blown another, you know, in the hurricanes and the high winds, but it's, it still stays uh, rooted and grounded. Mm -hmm. So it's like just because, you know, those things happen in your life and uh, the storms may come, um, doesn't mean you're done, right? right. You, can, you can withstand uh, that storm. The end it's, it's not the end because you have Christ on your side. That's right. And at the end of the book, we win. So there's nothing that I think we use the scripture that there's what can a mere man do to me, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing that the enemy can do to us that can stop us from our purpose, right? And so this week we want to talk about um, along the same lines, but just kind of looking at a specific type of attack that is something that's really prevalent, um, specifically amongst young people, millennials teenagers middle schoolers and i'm sure even you know for some of our more seasoned saints they probably struggle with it too but the title for today is the comparison trap the last installment yes this the is not break series yes the final chapter of ben don't break <laughs> and so basically we've been talking about how to build up our spirit so that when the enemy sends an attack we'll be ready to stand up and fight and today we want to talk about like i said one of the sneakiest attacks that the enemy tries to use to distract us comparison we've all done it we all do it and if we're not careful we can compare ourselves out of purpose so I just want to give a definition for those who might not be familiar with what the comparison trap actually is referring to. So the comparison trap is when we allow ourselves to get stuck in a cycle of measuring our worth and our success against the success and achievements of others. And just from hearing that definition, you probably can just read it and think, man, I've definitely done that before. I know for sure I've done it. Um, and, and it's 
it's easy to do and it, we don't want to live our life stuck in that cycle. And so the first thing um, about this comparison trap and about comparison in general, um, I just want to bring out this quote from Theodore Roosevelt. He said, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's funny that, you know, this is someone you don't think of as someone you would go to for spiritual guidance but this is something that is like not just true in the secular world but it's also true in the spiritual sense in in christianity comparison you looking at other people can make you miss out on your joy um one of the things that is a big contributor to that in our generation is social media um, social media is it's a beautiful thing but it also can be um problematic in multiple ways um, but one of the good things is that it does allow us to stay connected to people that we might not necessarily talk to every day. Um, it keeps us in contact with relatives who we don't see all the time, classmates. You even have access to into the world of celebrities. Right. Kept our church going. Uh, right. During, during right. The, the it, it held us down during the pandemic. If it were not for social media, so many people would not have been able to hear the gospel. And it's been a powerful tool for ministry. Yeah. But in the midst of all of that there's still something else that has been happening in the background to a whole lot of people and we really want to address that today um that the downside is that sometimes when you're looking at these images and you're watching these videos and you see all these things and it's like something that should be a happy moment becomes a moment of sorrow or insufficiency for you because you're comparing yourself to someone else and you're saying man they have a really great life. Man, their marriage is perfect. Man, their kids are so smart. Oh, wow, they have all these degrees. Man, she really has it together. But the 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 real, the reality of it is, the picture isn't telling you the whole story. And that's, especially with our generation. Like, yes. Um, we live in a society of, you know, of not only self-gratification, but we, we our generation seeks gratification from others, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, if I post a picture, I didn't get any likes, you know, people are like, oh, I feel some type of way, right? Yep. So it's like, we're looking at these people and they're like, oh man, I want to be like them. You know, man, you know, they got all these likes and followers and like, I'm trying to be just like this person. It's like, mm -hmm. man, and it's like, every time you'll see somebody's picture and you're like, man, they have this and that, but you don't know what's going on in that person's life. They don't necessarily have it all together or more than you do because you don't know the picture is just a picture, right? Right. So you get caught up in trying to be like somebody else and then you're like, man, what about me? And then, you know, you can let yourself down. So. Right. And so much of social media, the influencing and all, yep. so much of it is fake, y'all. It's, yeah. it's literally staged. Like I have seen um, influencers like post a video of like how they set up to take pictures and stuff. It's like, they'll make it seem like, oh, this is my house. This is where I live. But it's like, no, you're at an Airbnb. You paid $500 to take pictures here for two hours. Right. And, but you not knowing that, and you see this picture of them and you see they have this like luxurious lifestyle. And it's like, man, I wish I had this, mm -hmm. man. I wish I had that or I should be further along. And so that's that's something that we really have to be careful of. And we have to be uh, spiritually aware of that because the tactic of the enemy to right. make you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. You're not walking in purpose when the case might be that you are right where God wants you to be. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to get into that. So um, I want to get into the scripture in Galatians chapter six, verses four through five. 
It says, but each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings for which he alone is responsible. So we talked about um, comparison being the thief of joy. And it's, this is saying right here, when you don't compare yourself to somebody else, right. that's where you can find joy in the things that you're doing. Right. It's saying, you know, look at your own self. Right. Basically do your own self-assessment and say, right. all right, am I where I'm supposed to be? And if you are, then you're fine. Right. You know, you don't have to worry about that. Look at your own self, scrutinize yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and once you figure out, you know, you know, it says that once you do that, then you can have that personal satisfaction, you know, inner joy. You're not looking for it anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And our standard is not whatever standard society says. It's what God says. Right. Whatever God says, mm -hmm. that's our marking point. That's what we're scrutinizing ourselves against. That's the standard for us. Mm -hmm. um, and then Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial, superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove yourselves what is the will of God that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So that was a lot, but it's just saying God's standard is the only standard that matters. It does not matter what society is telling you. It doesn't matter what, oh, by this age, I should be here. I should have this. I should have that. What matters is where are you spiritually? What is your walk with God like? Do you, um, do you, do you demonstrate attributes of Christ? Do you have the fruit of the spirit manifest in your life? That's what God is looking at. That's what's important to him. Right. That's kind of like, and that verse is also um, another verse that kind of talked about that is, you know, we say the Bible says that you're in the world, but you're not of it. Mm -hmm. That's what this is hitting at right mm -hmm. there. Like, we're not supposed to let the world mold our image and how we see ourselves. Right. Absolutely. And then so first Corinthians 11, one, it says, um, Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He's talking to the church. He's saying your example is Christ do what christ did that's your that's your model that's that's your example that's how you should be living that's what you should be comparing yourself to that's what you should be concerned with doesn't matter what these other churches are doing doesn't matter what these people on instagram are doing what this person on TikTok is doing what matters is what does god say you should be doing that's right jeff you want to take the next one what did we just read uh galatians, galatians. and galatians uh chapter one uh verses 10 to 11 it says and now Am I now trying to win the favor and approval of men or of God? Or am I seeking to please someone? If I were still trying to be popular with men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I want you to know, believers, the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. It's not a human invention patterned after any human concept. So we're not trying to be, you know, we're not trying to be popular with men, right? That's, that's what he's saying here. It's like we, we want to be known as God's, you know, God's workers, the servants mm -hmm. of Christ. That's the main thing we're working towards. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to go out there and preach the gospel. That's that's our intentions. That's our message, right? Mm -hmm. And then our second point um, of the lesson is comparison can cause stagnation. And um, 
one of the stories that we kind of talked about when we were going over this was uh, we talked about the children of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. How they were, um, <laughs> how they were kind of just uh, mulling around in the wilderness and uh, getting stuck out there, and now all their complaints and everything like that. If we read uh, in Numbers chapter eleven, um, verses four through six, it says that the rabble among them who followed Israel from Egypt had greedy desires for familiar and delicious food. And Israelites wept again and said, "Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely and without cost in Egypt." The cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all in the way of food to be seen but this manna. So it's like God was, if you don't know the story of the Israelites, um, quick recap. <laughs> um, they were in slavery for hundreds of years uh, in Egypt, the land of Egypt. Moses was sent by God to help free them from under the reign of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when they eventually... Uh, were freed. God promised them, you know, this uh, this land where they're going to be able to live. And he was like, all right, I'm going to take you there. And they were guided out in the wilderness. They ended up being there for years. Um, so they got a little antsy while they were there. And this is kind of like where they, they're talking about the complaints that they got while they were there during this time in the desert. And so here they're sitting there and they're talking, they're complaining, like God is trying to do something awesome for them, right? He's basically saying like, I'm taking you to this new land that's gonna be better than where you were before. All you gotta do is sit tight, I'm providing for you, I'm still gonna take care for you. He's feeding them, they don't have to worry about anything. Um, and yet they're complaining because they're comparing their, situ- their current situation with a past situation that while they were in slavery, mind mm-hmm. you, but, they, but the food was better. So they're like, oh, you know, well, God is doing this, I guess, but what about this food? It's terrible. What about this? We're out here suffering. It's like, guys, come on. You got to think about what's on the other side. Stop looking back and comparing to what you to when you were in bondage. Right, right. It's like they they basically were like completely blind to the fact that like, first of all, God is literally feeding you he directly from heaven. You, yes. <laughs> and you want this food that you had to labor to get. You don't have to do anything but go outside and pick it up. It's there for you every day. Yep. But you would rather have the food that you had when you were a, sl- a slave. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem with comparing to other people, to you know previous situations. You miss out on what it is that God is mm-hmm. actually trying to get you to. Yes. And that's why it took them so long say, to get to. It was to... not supposed to take them no. as long as it took them to get there. But because they decided they wanted to complain and be ungrateful, God was like, all right, I'm going to just let you muddle around there for a while. You can be stagnant if you want to. I was trying to bless you. So, you know, mm-hmm. they delayed their blessing by comparing and, you know, to what they had before and being so stuck on what they had and mm-hmm. not looking forward to what they were going to get. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the comparison is not, you know, us comparing ourselves to another person. It might be us yep. comparing our situation to a different time in our life where it was like, man, guy, I remember when, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be at this job and it was like this and like that. But then you're forgetting that maybe God, when you were at that job before, you were stressed out every right. day, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. you- that's like, that's like, uh, so you started a new job and you have a complaint that the parking lot of the building is nice as the old building that you started, right? But you're getting paid more at your new job, you know, people treat you better, right. it's less stress, but you're talking about the facilities and stuff like that. Right. It just doesn't make any sense, right? Right. Okay. Okay. And so then the next thing that we want to talk about, another thing that comparison can cause is doubt and insecurity. And that's what we were talking about when we first got it started. Um, and so we want to look at another story in the Old Testament, the 10 spies in Canaan. Um, and so 
this is kind of like just a little bit after what we were talking about before. Um, and they're still in the wilderness and they're trying to get to this promised land of Canaan. And so they send the 12 spies to go and check out this land and see what does it look like? You know, what are the people like? Is the ground good? You know, what is the condition of this new um, nation? And so they go and in Numbers 13, 27, it says they reported to Moses and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And then in verse 31 through 33, if we skip down, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people of Canaan for they are too strong for us. So they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land, which they had spied out saying the land through which we went and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are like, uh, are in men of great stature. There are, there we saw Nephilim, sons of Anak are part of Nephilim and we like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So basically they were saying like, oh man, there's no way we can take this land. For not forget forget that God said that they can already have this already theirs they're like oh there's no way we can't get this because the people are too big they're so much larger than us oh, their armies are stronger they're just better so there's no way we're not a match for them and it's like they're looking at this situation and they're looking from the natural and comparing the, their physical stature to these people and it, God never intended for them to do that no. he already had a purpose for them he mm -hmm. already had it the provision for them to go and take it but because they couldn't get past the fact of these people are bigger than us right. they're comparing they're, they're stronger than us mm -hmm. they couldn't get past it you're letting your flesh your eyes are deceiving you you know you, right. you, you got to get yourself get beside that you know what you see in the natural you know mm -hmm. if god said that's for you then it's for you, you right <laughs> don't get caught up in the sight right and the same thing happens to us every day like when we scroll through our timeline you might look at somebody and it's like wow they're the same age as me mm -hmm. and they they're have, they're married they have, a house, they have a house they have three children or they have a child and I'm, I'm still single and I don't know what to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And then you might feel like, well, I'm not as good as them right. or I'm not as qualified as a person, as an adult, because mm -hmm. I don't have what they have. Right. My, my life is not as substantial mm -hmm. as theirs because I don't have the things that they have. But that's not the case because God created each one of us to walk our own individual walks. Right. What someone what someone else might do at 25, you might not ever do in your life because it might not be for your for your purpose mm -hmm. or you might not do it until you're older. That's right. I know in my own personal experiences, one example was just in, you know, with college and everything. I talk about college all the time. But um it, I didn't graduate. It didn't. That took me longer than four years to graduate. It takes a lot of people longer than four years. But I was looking around at other people, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I just transferred. Now I lost another year because my credits didn't all transfer. And I'm like, you know, I graduated in five years. And I'm like, I knew some of my friends were graduating in three, and you know, they're already in their fields with well-paying jobs and everything. Like you say, at home start. I'm like, man, I'm still in school. I'm like. But I'm like, and literally I would start to doubt myself and be like, man, am I ever going to graduate? Like, this is hard. Like, you know, I'm struggling. I would literally have those self-doubts. And I was just like, man, God would just tell me like, 
you're on your own path on your own track you know I, i'm taking care of you don't get discouraged you're going to finish obviously i'm going to do this for you mm-hmm. i'm going to give it to him and stop worrying about or looking at other people's situation and you know worry about my own situation so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. each one of us has a unique purpose we have a unique journey and as long as we're in the will of God and we're obedient to whatever God is telling us to do, what his word says to do, then you're in the best place you can be in. You're not delayed, you're not behind, and you shouldn't feel less than because you don't have what someone else your age has. The, where you are right now, um, in this very moment, is where you're supposed to be, uh, according to God right now, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in a season where you think things are a little moving a little slow right now, or you're like, and I don't know why I'm still here. You're there for a reason. All of this is part of God's plan that's for your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know like a lot of times there's outside pressures, there's outside comparison yep. where people that's mean well, but now. yeah, but they, they're saying things and it makes you sink deeper into this like cycle of comparing yourself like, oh, are, when are you gonna get married? Or don't you wanna do such and such? And it's like, they mean well, but that's maybe that's not your journey right now maybe that's not what god desires for you right now and so when you're hearing these things all the time it can be confusing and you're trying to block out these other voices to hear just the voice of god so we have to be so in tune with the word of god and with you know the voice of the holy spirit speaking to us and it's like even from personal experience like it's not an easy thing to do to shut all of that out especially like you know with social media and you know you have not even i mean sometimes not even social media just like it could be a family member that you look at oh, yeah. or like from like you know from my own experience when i was going through the process of when i was about to graduate high school and i was trying to figure out all right what's next for my life like what's the next step i was like all right god i know i'm going to college but i don't know what i'm gonna do like am i gonna play sports right away am i gonna go to this whatever schools that want me to play there or am i going to just go do academics what am i going to major in? i don't know what i want to do and even me growing up in a household with a father who was an engineer and i idolized him i looked up at him and i was like i wanted to be just like him so i was like all right i'm going to choose engineering too because my dad does that and it's like oh i don't want to be looked at as you know i didn't do anything less than that and it was like so i thought that i had to do that because i was comparing myself to my father but i had to realize that i'm not my father and god had a special plan for me and he he had you know these talents and gifts that he gave me that he wanted to use in a different light and he showed me what i was supposed to be doing um in my life get to you know to make money and put food on the table for my family so he gave me you know he allowed he allowed me to stop comparing myself to you know um my my parents and things like that and was like you know i have a different plan for you you don't have to live your life trying to be somebody else you can be you And one thing you mentioned about comparing yourself to family, and I know like, you know, there's four of us. So in in a family where you have siblings, you can easily mm-hmm. find yourself even comparing yourself to your brothers and sisters. And I, I thank God for like having parents who um, see the unique purpose in each one of us and that we're all different and we all have our own identity and each one of us learns differently. We all have our own, you know, we have our own gifts in, you know, in the spirit and um, in the natural. And it's important that as a person who has brothers and sisters, if you if you have siblings, that you don't get stuck in comparing yourself to your brothers and sisters either, because not only does it lead to discouragement sometimes if you feel like you're not where they are or someone's surpassing you 
Um, but it can also make you resentful mm-hmm. and that's not of God. Yeah. That's another trick of the enemy. And anytime that you feel that coming that's in, it. you got to rebuke that because that is just, it's a trick of the devil. It's mm-hmm. not from God because God wants us to love each and each other. And because she said that, I didn't even think about that, but I did. Sometimes I would resent my dad because I'm like, man, I felt like me struggling and the pressure. I thought that, you know, he was putting that pressure on me, but since I name dropped him, I'm like, I'm like, I need to clear it up. He never told me I had to go out there and be an engineer once. My dad never told me, Jeff, you need to do this. You need to be like me. You need to make this. Never. He always wanted me and always told me to do what I wanted to do, do whatever that interested me. But I just felt like I had to, not because it was just like an inherent pressure that I felt, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, when you just look somebody, but he never told me that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I feel like we could go on and on and on about how comparison um, affects you and it, it causes doubt and insecurity. But I want to look at the, the flip side of that, how comparison can also um, lead to pride and to self-righteousness. Um, there's a, a parable that Jesus told in Luke, um, the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18 verses 10 through 14. It says two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So the Pharisee, you know, he thought he was onto something. He was like, God, I got it together. I pray, I tithe, I fast. I am walking the walk. I'm better than this dude over here. He cheats people. He does this. He does that. He's comparing himself, like looking down on this other man, you know, not knowing what this other guy is actually going through, not knowing what his life actually is. And in his moment of comparison, he got so puffed up that he completely missed the mark. His heart was completely wrong. He was he was doing it from a totally arrogant place. Exactly. And it it was completely. the opposite of what he should have been doing. The the um, the tax collector, the person was the person that had the most humility. Mm-hmm. He had the pure heart, and he was the one who was justified in the end. So that's another thing that we have to be careful of: that we're not looking at our situation and then looking down on somebody else. Right. Like say, for example, like you miss, you think somebody you you got missed over for a promotion or something like on the job, and then you start saying things like, "Wow." I did this and I'm did this. I'm better than that person. And you start, you know, beating, dumping on somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, look back and reflect on yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we should never be in a place where we're like dumping on somebody else just because something didn't go our way. Right. That's not the attitude of Christ. That's not an, an attitude of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the next one, comparison can lead to conflict and that's kind of like a good segue so comparison can lead to conflict the one of the biggest conflicts known in the bible is between cain and abel right first first book of the bible. yes the first murder actually yep. so um mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with the story about cain and abel they were adam and eve's children um god had required for them to bring a sacrifice they were supposed to bring the first of their um 
the first of their harvest of their um, flock, whatever it was, the first and offer it to God. And uh, so they bring their offerings before God and God is pleased with one and he's not pleased with the other. So in Genesis chapter four, verses three through eight says, and in the course of time, Cain brought the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. And the Lord had respect regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became extremely angry, indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why do you look so annoyed? If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do, do well, but ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, about what God had said. And when they were alone working in the field, Cain attacked Abel, his brother, and killed him. And so the scripture doesn't specifically say what it was mm -hmm. that Abel did that was so much better than Cain's offering. But it does hint at the fact that Abel's heart was in a place where he wanted to give God his best. Whereas Cain had some things going on where he wasn't quite right because God's saying, sin is knocking at your door. Right. There's something not right here. And it eventually Cain actually allowed, you know, the envy that he had for his brother to overtake him. And it, it ultimately re resulted in him murdering his brother. And that goes back to what we were just saying about, you know, comparison between siblings. He's looking at his brother like, well, God is pleased with him. Mm -hmm. I brought the, you know, I brought my food from my garden. I worked hard in my garden. How come God is not pleased with me? But but when something good happens to our brothers and sisters, we should be excited for them. We should be happy for them. We shouldn't be looking at them like, well, it should have been me. That's not that's not an attitude of Christ or of gratitude, of humility. Right. That's that's ugliness. That's you being a hater. <laughs> right. <laughs> you being a hater. Exactly. Um, and so the next one, Jeff, you want to tackle Jacob yeah, and Esau? Yeah, um, so the next, uh, I guess, pair of brothers we're going to talk about is uh, Jacob and Esau, also in the Old Testament in Genesis. Um, Jacob and Esau were born to somewhat of a somewhat, somewhat of a dysfunctional um, situation, right? Their parents both showed extreme favoritism, which is never a good thing. Um, and it affected their relationship as they grew up, basically envying each other. Um, it's never one thing. It's never a good thing to show favoritism with your children right you're supposed to i'm a young dad now as a father you're supposed to show each of your children an equal love because then stuff like this happens right mm -hmm. um genesis chapter 27 um verse 41 it says that esau hated jacob because of the blessing for which his father blessed him and esau said in his heart the days of mourning for our father are very near and i would kill my brother jacob and this was um this was the birthright um uh story right here mm -hmm. basically um he was jealous of his brother because he was firstborn. He had the birthright. He was the one that was going to inherit um, uh, the majority of the things from his father. So he was jealous of him. Um, I want to say, is this, is this where he, is this where he uh, he put on the uh, yep. he put on the so, he tricked he tricked he tricked his father. Um, he put on this lamb's wool on his arm. Um, and he basically because his brother was hairier and he was not. So he mm -hmm. went to his brother, his father, because they knew his father was blind. He could not see. So basically he tricked his father to steal his brother's birthright. Right. And this is what happened there. Um, and the aftermath was um, 
him wanting to kill his brother Jacob. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, escalated quickly. It, it, exactly, it escalated quickly. It's like he, he was so jealous of just that birthright of his brother's inheritance. Even this is something that he's not even he doesn't even have. Like he doesn't have anything of, of, of any of the goods yet, right? It's just that he's getting it in the future and he, and that just envied him so much and it it was magnified because of that favoritism that his father showed okay. to his oldest son okay. so man it, that was just another easy situation of just looking out how, how um one how favoritism plays into it but just also just seeing that and how you can look at somebody and how they're how that person is favored and it could make it could cause jealousy and envy in you mm-hmm. and then lead to negativity in your life mm-hmm. Yes. And another another instance of that is a lot. There's so many stories like this in the Old Testament. Um, Joseph and his brothers. So um, the story of Joseph, Joseph was a dreamer. Right. Um, And he had a dream that basically that one that the stars and the moon bowed to him. And then he had another dream that um, the sheaves from the field that there was like he was in the middle and the sheaves bowed down to him. And he's like, you know, this is a dream from God that this is gonna happen. And they looked at him like he was crazy. Um, And so in Genesis 37, verses 10 and 11, he told it to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father rebuked him and said to him in disbelief, what is the meaning of this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow down to the ground in respect before you? Joseph's brothers were envious and jealous of him, but his father kept the words of Joseph in mind wondering about their meaning and so joseph was another child who was favored by the parents but his brothers resented him for it they looked at you know everything that he had his father gave him this coat of many colors right and that set them off they looked at it like oh well he's so special how why he get the coat how come i didn't get the coat where's my coat it's all of us and he he gets the special treatment but what it was was they had a different mother and the mother was favored and so it carried down to the children but and also joseph just had he had a call on his life obviously we know that exactly god, god was he was uh, he was chosen by god right mm-hmm. and that was also the problem right he mm-hmm. was the youngest but he was chosen right the, what they says uh the prophet came and anointed him right or yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was so he was chosen. He was picked out by God. Um, and uh, so his brothers, they recognized the anointing on him, but they, they didn't know it was the anointing of God. But they saw something that was different in him than what they had. And they they were envious of it. And eventually it got to the point where they just, you know, they didn't want to deal with him anymore. So they threw him into a pit. Um, thank God they didn't actually kill him. They they discussed killing him but you know one of his brothers said you know let's not kill him let's just throw him in a pit and so there it's still though it was so bad like they they really they hated their brother just because he had good things happening for him in his life Mm -hmm. and we don't ever want to allow ourselves to get to a point where we resent somebody so much that we're out here trying to do ill to them because we wish we had what they had and so um, the next one is Saul and David, another um, very, very popular story. This is what you were talking about, Thank you. about the anointing. Yes. So um, Saul and David. So Saul was the first king and 
he was anointed by the um the prophet he was anointed to be king he was living the life he was you know successful he was strong he was handsome the people admired him but then along comes david and it shakes things up and people start acknowledging him and saul's looking at him and it's like well you know i did these things too how come they want to acknowledge this little kid like i've been doing this the whole time i'm the king and so he got he got angry he got puffed up he got resentful um, in 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 9, he said, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So in the beginning, he was, you know, he was cool with David. He was he was well pleased with him. Um, all the troops were pleased and Saul's officers as well. When the men returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. And they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And I want to point out in this one, the comparison wasn't just coming from Saul comparing right. himself to David. The people were comparing them. And sometimes that happens in our own lives, which we said, like, you know, sometimes uh, people will put that comparison on you. Like, you're not doing it, but because someone else is seeing something and they're saying, oh, you know, so-and-so is doing it like this, or why don't you be more like your cousin, or you should be more like your big sister. Right. We know that, that can weigh on you. I mean. Look at, I was, when we were studying, I just jokingly threw out, I was like, man, LeBron and Jordan. And then I actually <laughs> thought about it. I was like, think about that though. LeBron James, he, he burst onto the scene, into the world when he was a teenager. The boy was 14 years old. From the, from the age of 16, he was already being compared to Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. And from then on, once that started, and he didn't, he wasn't comparing himself to Michael Jordan, but other people were doing it. It was inevitable. And from then on, from from then till now, he's still being compared between his career and Michael Jordan, who's the best, right? So it's like he didn't ask for it. It just it was it came with territory, and it's like um, as far as, as Saul, it was like you look at him and you're like Saul, you are already king. Even the things he was naming, like yeah, well they said David had more. He you know he his ten thousand. Saul, you still slaying thousands, man. Like look at the accomplishments you did have. You were king. You slain these thousands, like you you had a good thing going for you, and you was just you let a teenager or a little kid, you know, in your rearview mirror throw you off. Mm -hmm. And you were anointed by God as well. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> he was anointed by God first. At first, exactly. So man. But he got so caught up in yeah. the comparison and trap that he lost sight of his purpose. Exactly. God had called he him had a, and right, predestined for him to be the king. He anointed him to be the king, but because he lost sight of purpose in that trap of comparing himself right. to David, he got removed from his office of king. Mm -hmm. He he was tormented every time he saw David. Yep. Like he he would be upset and he got violent with it. He tried to kill him almost every time he saw him. Right, exactly. It got to be that bad. That 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 was nothing but the devil. <laughs> he allowed the enemy to come in and just completely shift his focus. Mm -hmm. His focus should have been on God. His focus should have been on God. How can I serve you as King of Israel? What is it that you want this people to do? What do you need this nation to be? How can I serve you? Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He wasn't there. And uh, just talking about that, it just makes me think of even just comparison in the kingdom of God, like in the church. Like mm -hmm. we didn't talk about this, but like 
so many people are looking at certain situations and things of uh, people in the church are like, oh, that person, uh, they just got put in charge of this ministry or man, that person, they sing like this, like, man, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't get to lead as many songs as them. Why can't I do this? Or, you know, like uh, he got promoted to, to bishop and stuff like that. And you start looking around and you're like, man, well, God, why, I, why am I not getting promoted and put in these positions and like that? And it's just like, guys, like everybody's like we said earlier in the beginning like everybody's walk is different god he elevates people at different times it's mm -hmm. like maybe it's just not your time yet right you know mm -hmm. or, you know you just gotta be patient but it's just like there's so much comparison just in in the kingdom in general it's just man it's it's hard to just not be caught up in it mm -hmm. even um even comparing not even so much within the church but also outside like mm -hmm. oh our ministry right. we're doing this and this church over here is doing that. How can yes. we do that too? Sometimes it's not, don't get me wrong. Like it is good for us to look and to, to other people. Yeah, mm -hmm. because we should always be striving to be better, right? We, we should be striving to say, God, how can we serve you better? What can we do to expand for um, the advancement of the kingdom? But we shouldn't be looking at people like, envious like we shouldn't right. be like coveting what other ministries are doing what what they have we should be looking to god and saying you know god how can we serve you better what right. what, what other capacity do, what can we do yeah. right mm -hmm. it shouldn't ever be like just for selfish purposes right and so our next one is Hannah and Penina. I probably am not saying her name correctly, but that's how I pronounce it. So this story is another kind of well-known, but some people don't know it. Um, basically, uh, they were two women who were married to this man and they would go to the temple and they would make their sacrifices. And Penina, she had like all these kids and she was just like rubbing it in Hannah's face because Hannah was barren right. and kids, yeah. yeah every time they would go she would be like oh oh Hannah you can't have any kids and Bishop said nah, 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 nah. Uh, he preached that message one time and I never forgot it but that's how she was like mocking her every single time and it's like um she, you know, she's she's looking at this woman and she's like, man, I wish God, I wish that I could just I could just bear a son. If I could just bear a son, then everything would be okay. God, can you please just like make my womb fruitful? Please let me have a son. Please let me have a son. Because look, Penina has all these children, and you know, our husband he he loves her more. But really, her husband loved her more. She was favored more. But Penina was you know rubbing that in her face, so she couldn't really see the situation. And so in 1 Samuel 1, verses 6 and 7, Hannah's, it says Hannah's rival provoked her bitterly to irritate and embarrass her. So it was her intention to rub her the wrong way because the Lord had left her childless. And so it happened year after year. Whenever she went up to the house of the Lord, Penina provoked her. So she wept and she would not eat. That thing got to her so bad that she would not eat. She was starving herself because she was hurting so bad because she's looking and she's like, she has all these children. I just want a child so bad. And and so she was she was weeping, but she didn't stay there. Um, even though her situation caused her so much sorrow, Hannah understood that she couldn't let herself get caught up in the comparison trap. She couldn't let that that um, that sadness take over her life. So she took authority in that situation mm -hmm. and she said, she you know, like, even though this is so sad and it's, she's mocking me and I, I can't stand it, 
I know there's one person that I can talk to who will understand. And if I could just get into the temple, if I could just cry out to God, then he'll hear me. And so that's what she did. She went to the temple and she wept and she cried and she cried out to God. So much so that the priest thought that she was drunk. He was like, she, she literally, lady. She literally told God, she said um, in the verse, she said that, God, if, if you give me this son, I'll give him back to you. Mm -hmm. I won't cut his hair. His hair will be, will grow, you know, till he dies, basically. Like, he's mm -hmm. yours. He's, that was a sign that he was going to be truly dedicated to God. Like, he was going to be God's servant. So she was desperate. She was pleading to God desperately. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it says in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 20, it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. And so because she took that, um, she took that sadness and she took that situation and instead of getting stuck and staying in that, um, that sorrow and continuing to compare her situation and looking at what she didn't have, she went to the source who had everything and she said, God, if you could just grant me this, I will give him back to you. And because she had that right spirit and that correct attitude, God granted her request and she was blessed. So the final point uh, that we're going to say and bring this home is just don't fall into that trap, right? Mm -hmm. um, so these are just gonna some, some ways that you can avoid comparison here. The first thing is to just be content, right? Um, that's sometimes that seems it sounds it's easier said than done, right? Be content when you see so much stuff around you. But um, here's some scriptures that just talk about uh, contentment. First Timothy chapter six, verse six through eight says, "But godliness actually is a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment, and contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. So God's sufficient for you; He's enough. Mm -hmm. So for we have brought nothing into the world, so it's clear that we cannot take anything out of it either." Um, but if we have food and clothing, then we will be content. So basically it's like, there's not, we don't need a whole bunch of things in this world, but it's like living in the world and all these things that you see around you make you think that you do need all these uh -huh. things. But really it's like, if God is providing for you everything that you have, you have clothes on your back, you have food to eat, right? Um, you, we have loved ones, you know, you have access to God, you should be good. That's like, that's that, then that should be enough. That should be enough to sustain you. That's what that verse is saying. Like we don't, we should not need a whole lot from this world because we weren't, you know, we weren't supposed to be made to set our sights on the things of the world anyway. Right. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and Philippians chapter four, verse 11 through 12, it says, not that I speak from any personal need for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy. Um, regardless of my circumstances, I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times and also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. So you don't have to be, you know, living in poverty and just be, you know, like, oh, okay, God, well, I got the minimum, the bare minimum. If God blesses you with abundance, you, you should know how to be content with what you have to there and enjoy that mm -hmm. um, in that prosperity. Um, it says in any, in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. Um, you just have to realize, you know, you, have, you just have to see the content and everything. Like that last part of the verse where it says, you know, whether having abundance or being in need, there are some people that are homeless and poor and you can talk to them and you be like, man, but your situation is so bad. Like, um, you live on the streets and you know you deal with this every night and they'll talk to you and have full conversation and make you feel crazy about yourself because they're so um humble and content even though you you look at them and they might have nothing you know what you think is nothing and they but they're like 
okay, when I have my health, I'm still alive. Right. I'm living and breathing. You know, I have friends and this and that. And they're content with their, their situation, the life that they have. So God can bring you that, uh, that sense of contentment in whatever situation that you're in. And then the second thing is just be grateful, right? Um, so many things that are that we go through in life, um, you can look back and say, man, I'm grateful I got through that. Or just think, so many things that God has done for all of us. I know I could speak a, on a million things about what God has done for me and why I can be grateful. And that gratefulness is, is how I can be content in my situations and how yes. I don't have to worry about the comparison because I know that God took care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, First Thessalonians says in chapter 5, verse 18, in every situation, no matter what the circumstance, be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's God's will, right, that we are happy and thankful, you know, that we're thanking him for the things that he gives us. It's like we're showing our appreciation. God, you did these things for me. You're taking care of me. So I'm going to thank you. And Psalms um chapter 139 verse 14 it says i will give thanks and praise to you for i'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well god took the time to make each and every one of us and make us all different so that right there just our differences alone make us unique and awesome so it's like you're comparing sometimes we compare ourselves to other because our differences you know we don't like our differences or the things that make us different so we think we got to be like somebody else mm-hmm. but in fact that those differences that god gave us is what makes us unique it's like yeah. it makes us special right right so it, it makes you you um mm-hmm. and then the last thing is just declare the word right um you are who god says you are when sometimes you know when you're when you, we talked about this in our in the past messages, but like when you're feeling weak and everything like that, you know, we talked about reading and getting in the word. Yes. Um, but you got declare the word too. That can help uh, strengthen you up, man. When you are looking at other people and you're feeling like, "Whoa, is me? Why don't I have this and that, man?" It's like, you, you know, declare God's word. You are who God said you are. First Peter, uh, chapter two, verse nine says, "But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says for we are his worksmanship his own masterwork a work of art created in Christ Jesus were born from above spiritually transformed renewed ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them living the good life when he prearranged and made ready for us mm-hmm. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. So it's like, we're going to conquer. You're going to be victorious. Like she said, in the end, we win anyway. So you have to keep that in mind when you're going through these things. Um, the John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to as many to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority and the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe in and hear and trust and rely on his name. So we're God's children, guys. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, there's no reason to really even look outside and start comparing yourself to somebody else because all you have to uh, realize is that you're God's child. That's the best thing you could think about in the world, like to make you happy and be content with what you have because you're a child of God, right? Um, you, you've accepted him into your life. If you have, you've been born again and you know that you got that your ticket punched and you're going um, to go be with God when you do move on from this world. Um, and then Jeremiah 29, 11, my probably, I don't know if it's my first or my second Bible verse, <laughs> but, um, it's just, 
this, this talks about their plan, right? It says, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and, and um, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. Um, you know, he's ordered our steps. Everything that we're that we're going to experience and go through um, is for a reason. It's part of his plan. So don't get distracted looking at somebody else's life and what they're doing, because God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, you want to say anything, Chris? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just looking at this list of things, just um, I just want to encourage if someone is struggling with comparing themselves to other people or you feel like, you know, you're just downtrodden or you're maybe just feeling a little bit depressed just to encourage yourself in the Lord. Um, David talked about how he encouraged himself in the Lord and to just take these scriptures and meditate on them. And whenever you're feeling down or you're feeling like um, you're not enough, that you profess the word of God over yourself and just remind yourself of the things that God says that you are. Like he read these different scriptures and each one of those talks about a different thing that God says that we are. Um, We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God, God made you and he made you well. Okay. Um, we're his workmanship. We are made in his image. We are more than a conqueror. We're victorious, uh, that we have the right to come to God because we're his children and that God has a plan for us. So those little things, if you can't remember the whole verse, just remember those things that God says about you, that you are his, that you have a purpose, that you are loved. Um, and if you are somebody who doesn't know the scripture well, if you need someone to help you to find some encouraging scriptures, send us an email, uh, MMCC at gmail.com. We will be happy to provide you with a list of scriptures to encourage yourself. Um, if you feel like you need prayer, um, we have, you can send us um, a message and we'll, we have prayer request forms on our website. Um, if you go to fullcirclemmcc.com. Um, we we really wanted to just build each other up and if there's someone who has a need we want to be able to connect you to um to someone who can help if you you want us to pray for you we are here for you um and i just i thank god for this word it's you know it's not an exciting word necessarily but it's i feel like it's a necessary word um, because there's so many people who are struggling with this. I've Every been day. through it, go through it myself. And so I feel like, you know, it's just, it's it's better, like we said, when we're sharpening each other, when we're going through it together, that we talk about the things that we struggle with and that we um, put those things on the table. And I just thank God for being able to have the opportunity to share this tonight. And we um, that's all we have for tonight. Um, thank you to everybody who tuned in. I pray that you do share this, um, share it on your timelines, invite someone to tune in next time. And um, I pray that you've been blessed and that you've enjoyed this teaching. And we're going to close with a word of prayer. Yeah. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, God. We thank you for um, allowing um, you to speak through us, Lord God, and just get this message across, Lord God. We hope that we touch somebody's heart. Um, God, um, if somebody was touched tonight, Lord God, and they want to make that decision just to give their life to you, God, we just like to give them that opportunity. Um, God, we just say, um, if, you, if you're if you at home and you want to say this prayer, you can say, God, um, come into my life, Lord God. I believe that you died on the cross. Um, come into my life. Take it over, God. I am. I believe um, that you died on the cross, God, and I'd like you to just be the father and the head of my life in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you. 
anybody prayed that prayer, Lord God, that you heard them and um, we welcome them into the kingdom, Lord God. We just thank you for everything that you're doing. We thank you for everything that you're continue to doing, Lord God, through us. Um, we pray for the ministry that we would continue to grow and flourish, Lord God. We pray that you will just continue to bless those that are out there. Um, as we just come to a close, Lord God, I pray that you will just um, loose your um, your angels around us, Lord God, um, on this night, on this weekend, Lord God. Continue to touch your people's hearts and continue to just um, to just uh, allow people to just come back, Lord God, and um, keep that hunger for you. In Jesus' name yes, we Lord. pray. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend, y'all.